safe drivers save up to 20% with insurance. Get a quote at AAA.com slash insurance. Yeah, but if you hit it 305 feet down the line, you're not going to get it over the wall, but <laughs> probably. <laughs> well, she almost broke into song, I think. Is that what I... <laughs> <laughs> Just for the sign that says there is no smoking <laughs> in the smoking section. Yeah. And welcome to episode number 93 of Artificial Turf Wars. It still smells like grapefruit in here. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I'm, of course, joined by Joshua Housem. Josh, how are you this fine evening? I'm good. And you? I'm good. We come out of a, a Blue Jays uh, day where they split a doubleheader with not the same people in spring training. <laughs> <laughs> team A and Team B, as it were, making them 13 and 14 on the season. But before we get into uh, the grapefruit statistics too much in depth, we would like to remind you we're going to talk about Danny Espinosa being signed. Um, Vlad and Bo Bichette having their day in the sun in that game that we were uh, we just watched finish. Um, we have updates on Grichuk and Pierce, on Alford. Uh, the rotation is set, which leaves someone as the odd man out, of course, which we knew would happen eventually. And Devin Travis, a little quick update on him. And we have not one, but two excellent interviews. Much like when you have a Band-Aid that needs to come off, I think it was it's probably best that we take the two teams that are obviously on paper better than the Blue Jays and get both of their previews done the same time. So we're going to do the Red Sox and the Yankees tonight. We're going to answer your questions. And uh, then we're going to wrap things up, as we usually do at the end, with a few little tidbits. Wow, that makes it sound like it's about a four-hour podcast, but I <laughs> we'll try and keep we'll it try under... to keep it under three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, thirteen and fourteen. What does that mean, Josh? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> okay, good, good. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's cool. They're out there. They're no. No huge crises have happened. Uh, Danny Espinosa was signed though as a as a sort of a late spring add on. What what doth Danny Espinosa bring to the Blue Jays that they might be a little short on? Uh, depth at shortstop is really the answer oh, to that question. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So it looked well with Troy Tulowitzki's not going to start the season, which is not really a surprise to anybody. We might even talked about this on the last podcast, but. So Aledmus Diaz is the starter, and that meant the backup was Gift and Gopay. <laughs> That's a swift drop, too. We don't really want this guy playing in the big leagues. Uh, Danny Espinosa, the last, well, last year he was, don't want this guy playing in the big leagues. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get, though, at this point of the offseason, right? Yeah, but he at least has some track record of hitting a little bit. You know, he, he's never going to hit for average. He strikes out a ton but he hits for power, and he can play second and short very well. Sounds like a role player. Yeah, the guy you want on your bench. Huh, funny that. <laughs> Crazy concept. So uh, did, did someone have to leave the 40-man roster for that to get get worked out? 
Well, they will. He was a minor league signing, but I can't see a real situation where they keep Ngope over Espinosa just because of the way the middle infield is currently situated. So someone will have to go. We got a question about this later, so we'll answer the potential options there. But they've done some confusing things on this front. We'll just say we'll leave it at that for now. All right. Ah, yes. Major League Management. Never, never anything but one step to the left of where you think they're supposed to be. <laughs> uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette did both play tonight in the night game, which I guess is sort of the, uh, because it made it on TV, is kind of the marquee event of the two split squad games today. And they both showed that they, they, they could potentially be a lot of fun in the future. So Vlad hit a double. And who did he hit a double off of? Yeah, I originally thought it was Jameson Tyone, which would have been awesome, but it was Chad Cool, who's still in their starting rotation, a major league starter, so... Nothing wrong with that. And Bo Bichette? <laughs> yeah, Bo Bichette ripped an opposite field home run, and not just a, you know, he hit it out in a little five feet beyond the fence. It, what, 20 feet? You could see the first bounce in the parking lot was looked like it was as high as the fence. Like <laughs> It was yeah. gone. And so he hit it off Felipe Rivero. If there's anybody listening to this who's not really a fan of the National League and doesn't really know much about Felipe Rivero, he is their closer. And last year, he had a 1.67 ERA and struck out 88 batters in 75 innings. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Uh, there there have been uh, some footage tweeted around of Vlad over in minor league camp as well, uh, really leaning into a couple pitches and just... It's both of them. If you look at the left fielder, he just basically does nothing. He's just like, wow, I'll get the next one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's got some pretty impressive power when you watch those videos. One of them was off Nate Pearson, too, who's not exactly a, a slouch prospect of his own. And it's funny. So these guys played in the in the game. There was Canada World Juniors or the Canada Junior team playing against the, uh, the the Blue Jays and Marcus Stroman was there and afterwards he made a comment about like, he wants these guys on the big league club and they're ready now and it was it was absurd it was, it was a, an insane comment but then you watch this stuff against Rivero and cool and it's like hmm. yeah I think it's very easy for a fan to go what's the worst that could happen <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, obviously yeah, like, yeah like, exactly that's the correct answer uh I just would have loved if there was a follow-up question. So, who should they be playing over, Marcus? Yeah. Who should who'd yeah. you cut for these guys? <laughs> Marcus is not... Uh, I mean, hyperbole is the man, pretty much. Uh, so, I think that's what interviewers know. They're going to get a quote out of him like that. Just... just. <laughs> yeah. If we were doing a do-over, this probably would have been the do-over <laughs> this week. <laughs> it was a really, really silly comment, but if you just take it not at face value and, and the silliness of it, I mean, it's more that these guys are impressing everybody. Yeah, and uh, you and I were talking beforehand, and it's not just Blue Jays people who they're impressing. Um, you know, you get a lot of people's heads are turned when when they're facing major league competition because people are really curious about them all across baseball. So, I think I think that pretends very very well. It's it's not a uh, it's not just a Blue Jays hype machine going on here. There's there's a whole different hype machine at work, and they're very very young, both of them, uh, Vlad especially, obviously. But uh, yeah. Look forward to seeing them for the rest of the spring, and then they'll kind of disappear for a while. But you never know what can happen by the end of a uh, the end of the season. 
Yeah. So the people we are actually expecting to see in that outfield who we cannot cut in favor of... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, are Randall Gritchuk and Steve Pierce, who've both been nursing injuries. And, man, probably that's why they're back on the field is because they were afraid of getting cut, right? Must be it. <laughs> they saw those those infield those infielders coming, and they're like, well, we don't want to lose our outfield spot. <laughs> you know Vlad's not going to make the infield when he gets to the bigs, but that's another day's conversation. Well, he might be just on the other side of the diamond, but... Yeah, they're back. Uh, Pierce had a calf strain and Grichuk had a muscle pull in his rib cage. And so, you know, people, as it gets closer to the season, you always get a little more worried, even with these small things, is because it's just, are they going to be ready for opening day? And what's that going to do to the roster? But both of them step back in and, and you know, they look fine. And this is bad news for Teoscar Hernandez, though. Who keeps hitting home runs to attempt to get a spot that isn't probably there on the roster for him. No, I, I was talking to someone earlier today about this too. It's like, what does he have to do to make this big league roster and be relevant? It's a lot of stuff has to go wrong. I mean, even if it's like someone could get hurt, but it's like if Steve, Steve Pierce gets hurt, you know, Tosca Hernandez is the weak side of a platoon. And, and considering how well he hit at the end of September or in September and how well he's hitting in spring, it's, it seems a little crazy, but it's really nice depth to have. Yeah, you you want to have a, more than a warm body somewhere stashed away because you never know. So, you know, uh, and one of the you never knows leads in, of course, a nice segue to poor Anthony Alford, who uh, did indeed pull his hamstring, as we were talking about last podcast, quite badly. Yeah, a grade two sprain or strain, sorry. And uh, yeah, he's going to be out apparently three to six weeks, which... It's not the first time he's actually had hamstring issues, so that's yeah. It's maybe it's not a a ten on the alarm scale, but it's a comfortable four or five. I mean, he he's confident. He's he likes to say, he said that's like I always heal quickly. I'm not worried about this, but at some point it would be nice for him to stay healthy because the tools are so impressive. Someone, of course. There's always someone uh, on the internet going, well, what the heck is the high performance department doing? And I was like, stop, stop. It, <laughs> it's a hamstring. If, if you had a, uh, well, it was, it was one of those uh, fans are asking. And I, my response was, no, we're not. <laughs> we're not asking. <laughs> if you had an exercise that could prevent hamstring strains 100%, you would be a millionaire, would you not? You'd probably be much more than a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> Like, th these are these injuries that happen because people are doing things that put strain and unexpected strain on, on tendons and muscles. Sorry, that's what happens. It's Unfortunately, it's baseball. Maybe one day we'll fix it. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good summation. It's just guys get hurt. And we have a, a fictional question later, but they made it, it was a, a, in Major League One. It's like the, the, the horrible owner, Rachel... Because your name got it better not get that wrong <laughs> but uh she's like complaining about the players and lou brown's like even tough guys get sprained sore arms because that's what happens yep more truth from major league uh so uh, the guys who we haven't talked about yet are actually also still good news marcus stroman got back on the mound in a for real situation and that means that he is now slated to be game four starter in the regular season that does leave Joe Biagini without a, uh, 
that a slot in that rotation, obviously. So we still don't know exactly where he's going to end up, do we? No, we don't. Uh, it seems like it's going to be Buffalo. And it's an interesting conversation. I, I, I think I was, can't remember who it was. It was a couple of people, actually. I was going back and forth on Twitter about this. Is Like, what is the better role for him? It's like, it looks like it's going to be Buffalo just because they have all these relievers. But where would you put him if you had the choice here? If all other things being equal, if it was just about getting a performance out of Joe Biagini, from what I've seen of him in the bullpen, I want him in the bullpen. Yeah, but like I, I like the way you started that because it's not all other things being equal, right? You got to look at the the way this team is, right? Because who's he going to knock out of that bullpen? Danny Barnes, uh, well, but or was he better off being down in Buffalo in case someone gets hurt in the month of April, right? Well, yeah, I'll, I'll, and and again in this situation, to me, you look and okay, even if somebody doesn't get hurt, let's say it comes along and you're in you know, the middle of June, and it turns out that Jaime Garcia isn't the pickup you thought he was. If Joe Biagini's stretched out and he's really dominating in Buffalo, is that an easy guy to cut now? Yeah, and, and the reason I mentioned the, the injuries early is because that that means that, you know, guys like Ryan Barucki and Panone's not back yet. You know, they're not quite ready. But So you want the guy that would be, but I think you're right too, where it's like, if one of these guys is just not what you expected or if Marco Estrada's problems last year resurface, which I don't think they will, but yeah, it's, it, the Jays need the starting pitching depth a lot more than they need the bullpen depth. Indeed. Uh, and then our last sort of note would be Devin Travis isn't hurt. He's, he's playing. He's playing regularly. It's wonderful. It is wonderful. He, uh, he was talking to John Lott about this and his favorite moment of a game recently where after ripping a double was moving to third on a pitch in the dirt because he wasn't thinking about his knee. He was just able to act as though he'd always acted before he got hurt and just playing normally, which for those for anyone who's ever been injured and like you've mentioned in our last podcast, my arm is in terrible, terrible shape. <laughs> when I first heard it, when I came back, it's hard to, throw or play without thinking about the injury and you know that well that will affect your performance as well so it's really nice to see him not you know basically see him being past it yeah that's uh that's awesome okay so that brings us up to speed on the spring as i have in this series of notes here which means we get to go to the interviews uh, we are trying to keep things organized from bottom to top in the division. And the Yankees, though they l- look like a very, very dangerous team, did not, in fact, win the division last year. So that means that we're going to go talk to Stacy Gatsoulias about the Yankees and uh, whether they are, in fact, going to win the division this year and see if we can get an answer out of her about all things Yankee right after this. And we'd like to welcome back to the show Stacy Gatsoulias of Baseball Prospectus. Stacy, Artificial Turf War says, welcome back. Thank you for having me again. Always a pleasure to have an AL East Rivals voice. As we tour the AL East, you are our uh, third stop, as it were. Um, we're, we're going from the bottom to the top. So it's starting to get a little bit painful, maybe. So I'm going to get the most <laughs> painful thing out of the way here. 
What was your initial reaction to hearing that the Yankees got Giancarlo Stanton, the king of the National League last year? Hmm. A bunch of expletives, but not in a bad way. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like, it was basically the same reaction that I had when they got A-Rod. It was like, what? No, no way. <laughs> like, it was like unbelievable. Like, no, that did not happen. You know, well, that's a bunch not, of expletives too. Yeah, well, I still don't believe it. That's but. not that far off from my reaction, actually. Uh, yeah. What? No way yeah, exactly. did that happen. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much how it went for me. <laughs> and, and all the expletives, you know, there's a lot of those coming up from my end. <laughs> so they've yeah, made themselves was... a potential modern murderer's row, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, there's always a risk of injuries but if they can stay healthy and i mean you know i don't expect stanton and judge to repeat last year but you know even if you get over 30 home runs from each of them and then you have sanchez and then if bird stays healthy that's a lot of that's a lot of firepower in that lineup so if everyone stays healthy and they all hit the way they can it could be potentially very frightening for other teams yeah, well, <laughs> I think that's definitely true. But you, you mentioned just potential step backs for those guys. What what do you expect out of Aaron Judge? I, I think we Gary Sanchez has done a couple years in a row now, so we can probably say that's what he is. But Aaron Judge, Greg Bird, Didi Gregorius, guys that, you know, while they were on the field were superheroes last year. Well, I think, I think Didi is a big surprise because, you know, when they got him, he was the quintessential defense, you know, ahead of offense shortstop. Like, they didn't get him for his offense. And then last year, he set the record for most home runs by a Yankee shortstop. You know, Derek Jeter never hit 25 home runs. And, you know, to see what he did last year, and, you know, especially what he did in that fifth game against Cleveland, just that was quite a surprise (laughs) I think out of everyone even I mean you know no one expected Aaron Judge to hit as many home runs as he did but I think Didi was a big surprise for some people too Um, as for Judge you know the the strikeouts are a problem um, but he does still walk and he doesn't just hit home runs and you know uh I think he can be one of those, you know, 30 home runs and, you know, have an okay average and sure he'll strike out a lot, but you know, a lot of guys strike out a lot these days. So I think he'll be fine. I feel like the the Yankees were a perpetually old team. And then all of a sudden it's like they flipped a switch and they look like a young team. So is there, is the thought sort of that these are young hitters if they do have slumps or whatever, they're you know they're likely to learn something from them as opposed to an older guy who might be on the downside of his career having having problems when he's slumping. Right, I think so. Um, and I think, you know, Stanton's like the one of the veterans at twenty eight, um, which is kind of weird to say. I mean, I know they have Gardner there; he's thirty four. But when you think about Stanton being one of the older guys on the team. It is such a flip of what things used to be like on the Yankees even two or three years ago. And uh, it's 
you know, everyone was talking about how this was going to happen and it's here now. And it's, uh, you know, I've been a Yankee fan my whole life. I'll be 44 in August. And it's been a while since I've seen anything like this. So it's, it could be something special with these kids. You know, we could see something like we did uh, 20 something years ago with that whole team. So you never know. <laughs> Greg, I think if you should just uh, delete the rest of this podcast. And- <laughs> <laughs> well, she almost broke into song, I think. Is that what I. <laughs> like, it could be something special was like the first line out of something someone says in a musical <laughs> just before the big number where the Yankees come out all wearing, uh, you know, those those straw hats and. <laughs> Yeah, there's fireworks. Um. Yeah. So it's just funny that there's that you talk about all this young t- talent, which again, horrible. Uh, what of the elder statesmen that are still on the roster? What what is the role for guys like Brett Gardner and Jacoby Ellsbury? Jacoby Ellsbury, I hope, will be on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> um. And Gardner, I mean, it's it's really hard to believe that Brett Gardner has been on the Yankees the longest out of everyone, that he's been there 10 years. Um, you know, he first came up on June 30th, 2008. And the fact that he lasted this long as a Yankee is kind of miraculous. Um, and he was on CC um, Sabathia's podcast, and he was talking about being the veteran on the team. And I think CC even said that, you know, Gardner was one of those guys who liked to speak up even when he wasn't a veteran. So I think that Gardner will help the younger guys. Um, and he's also really low key, funny. People don't know that about him. <laughs> and I think he'll help keep them loose. So if things do, you know, like, if they do get into some sort of a slump, he will help them not get so um, tight and, you know, uh, uptight, as it were. So you you mentioned uh, CC Sabathia there, and uh, I was uh, actually that was our sort of our next stop around the Yankee mm-hmm. roster was um, well, first of all, CC hinted that one of the reasons he came back to the Yankees, other than obviously he must enjoy being a Yankee and they, you know, they offered him a contract is he didn't want to pitch against the Yankees um, Mm -hmm. as a left-handed pitcher. (laughs) Um, So he, he's back in that rotation after a couple years where it looked like maybe he was done. What what do you make of the rotation as a whole though? Um, I think looking at it just strictly as a rotation, not thinking of, possible injuries or possible, you know, calamities happening. It's a strong rotation. Um, What CC did last year uh, was kind of amazing considering his age, considering the previous few seasons, Um, you know, was he the best pitcher? No, but he's reinvented himself as an Andy Pettit type of pitcher. You know, he doesn't throw a fastball anymore. He's more, slider sinker cutter and he's becoming more of that crafty type of pitcher which will you know if his knee doesn't give out 
you could see him pitching until he's at least 40, 41. Um, as for Tanaka, you know, his, uh, <laughs> his elbow has been hanging by a string <laughs> for the past three seasons. And every time he pitches, I'm basically watching through my fingers. Uh, Severino, you know, his season last year was amazing. And, you know, everyone's hoping that that continues. And it'll be interesting to see how Sonny Gray performs uh, for a full season as a Yankee because he was pretty inconsistent um, after he came over from the A's. And it'll also be interesting to see how uh, Jordan Montgomery does as a second-year pitcher. But for Montgomery, you know, he's the fifth starter, so they don't need him to be, you know, spectacular. They just need him to be good or okay. So I'm not terrified by the rotation, but you know, like I said, I mean, all teams have these worries about their teams. Like, you know, every team has an injury concern about someone on their team. So. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's definitely true. And I guess the question then becomes further, you know, if they do have to go to some fifth, you know, extra depth starter or something like that, Given that bullpen, does it really matter? Um, I I think so, because I don't think you can bullpen the whole season as strong as the bullpen is. Um, You know, I know a lot of people, a lot of uh, baseball pundits were all excited about this whole bullpenning thing, especially after what happened in the wild card game, uh, considering how much the bullpen had to actually pitch in that game and what they were able to do and um, how how that seemed to be a theme in the playoffs, not even just for the Yankees, but for other teams. But over the course of a full season, I don't see that working out for any team. Um, and I would prefer for the Yankees to have, you know, another starter slip in there and not depend on the bullpen and not to ride on their arms all season. Do you... I, I guess my question was more, you know, it said they have to go to some sixth starter. I'm actually not sure who it would be. You could probably answer that. Uh, and, and, and he's a guy who, one sec, <laughs> and he's a guy who's only going to go five innings, but you have your other guys at the front of the rotation who are going six, seven mm. with the depth of that pen and a guy like Chad Green, for example, he could be the two inning reliever on that fifth starter day. Wouldn't true. that mitigate it a lot? True. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, he's another one that, like, where the hell did he come from? Like, that was another thing. Like, you know, you guys were joking. They were joking with me before the podcast about how negative I was about the Yankees last season. Because no one knew how they were going to perform. No one expected that. You know, no one knew what was going to happen last season. You know, if you told me last March that the Yankees were going to get to a Game 7 of the ALCS, I would have laughed in your face. And I think anyone would have laughed at that notion. Like, be like, what? And, you know, Chad Green played a pretty big role in getting the Yankees to the point, you know, where they got to at the end of the season. He was amazing. Yeah, there was a lot of amazing. Yeah, that nobody expected. Yeah. Um, I guess the the one thing I always wonder about in in that bullpen, if it it has a a weird spot, so to speak, is Dellen Batances, who... At times, it looks like, you know, 
the the rookie who pretty much destroyed the world from from that setup role and then at other times it it looks like he's dangerously close to his arm just flying in some random direction off of his body and the baseball in the opposite direction it, okay it, what's going to happen to Dylan Batanzas? my original comment in the uh annual <laughs> i basically said that you know some days he's lights out and other days it looks like there's you know um like an evil bad guy has control over his arm and you have no idea what direction the ball is going to go in. But they didn't keep that in the book. Um, but that's basically what it's like. It's almost as if someone else has control over his arm and you have no idea where the pitches are going to go. And it's just unbelievable how one day he can be, like you said, lights out and you know the batters have absolutely no chance against him. And then other times he's just a complete mess up there. And you can see it in his body language, in his mechanics. Like, he can just lose it in a second. And they, I mean, he's been pitching for a while now, and that was an issue with him in the minors, and I don't understand how it's still an issue with him and how it can happen so quickly. And I feel like they should have fixed this already. And it's, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I don't understand why it's still a problem because when it's a problem, it's a real problem. I mean, he is really, he just looks so bad when he's bad. Yeah. He's one of the few Yankees pitchers that you kind of half expect as an opponent to see him when he walks off with his head, just right at his toes. Um, mm -hmm. And, and it's kind of weird it, that, you know, but you don't know which one you're going to get. Um, so it's, it, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, we take what, what little comfort we can uh, going into the season at this point. Obviously, nothing's a sure thing, but it looks like it's Yankees and Red Sox for the division this season. So given that I already know that, I have to ask you if you think uh, it's Yankees or Red Sox for the division this season, and then how many wins might the Yankees have in that equation? <sighs> I know a lot of people are... Well, I know that Dakota has them winning 97 my prediction is going to be 94 and 68 for the yankees no game 163 <laughs> god i hope not <laughs> i really don't want 2018 to be like the 40th anniversary of 1978 and have the same sort of thing happen because i don't think my my anxiety can take it <laughs> um and it's kind of amazing how Boston won the division with, you know, they didn't have, you know, guys who like mashed home runs and, you know, they had sale, but like price didn't do great. And Porcello came back down to earth and it was kind of like, how did they win <laughs> the division? It's like, um, I don't know. Uh, I think Boston needs, like the Yankees, they need things to happen the same way it happened in 2017 to be as good. Because if things turn for them, um, you know, J.D. Martinez coming over, that was a, a good move. Um, they do not want any circumstances where he is playing in the field. If J.D. Martinez is playing in the field, they are in trouble. That means that they have, like, injuries up the <laughs> <laughs> Uh 
<laughs> because he is awful. His defense has taken a nosedive the past few years, so he needs to be DH like all the time because if you see him in the field, that means that one of the outfielders is injured and it's going to be injured for a while, and that wouldn't be a good thing for Boston at all. All right, so what's it going to be? We're we still waiting for that. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't. Um, I mean, I I think it's going to be close. Um, and I think it's going to be Boston Yankees fighting for first place. Um, oh God. <laughs> he won't give you the answer either. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't. I'll say, I'll say Yankees over them by like one game. It's going to be one of those like down to the wire, crazy division fights. Well, that's so, that is a bold prediction. Then, if not a a a bold one for the Yankees themselves. Yeah, that uh, that certainly would be interesting to have the division end up that way because we haven't had a very interesting divisional race per se in the AL East for a couple of years. Um, so, all the best to your Yankees, of course, except when they are playing the Blue Jays. I have to make that <laughs> distinction. Um, and, and maybe we'll have you roll on in in the middle of the season when things have all gone off the rails and, and crazy for both teams and it's not like we expect and, and, and we'll come in with an update before a big series. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Where can we find you on the Twitter? Uh, I am at Stace Gots. So it's basically Stacy without the Y and G-O-T-S because my last name is too long to put on Twitter. Darn right, says Greg Wisniewski. <laughs> Um, <laughs> thanks for stopping by. If people want to see uh, what else you've been up to, of course, Baseball Prospectus. Um, like once again, Stacey Gutsulius, thank you very much for coming by, and we'll uh, talk to you again soon. Thank you. Well, that's out of the way. I was uncomfortable thinking about Stanton and Judge and Sanchez all at once like that for such a prolonged period of time yeah and, and then we have to watch it this season <laughs> i don't like it yeah when you say only 19 times it's like uh... and it's the first four games of the season <laughs> okay uh, at least Strowman's back <laughs> at least we don't have to have jaime garcia facing that lineup okay we'll, we'll take the little sliver of whatever we get sunray sunlight there and we'll we'll roll with it and uh yeah i promised questions so we're gonna read your questions time now to hear from our listeners that just seems silly here are the rules first i ask a question then you ask a question now how does that sound sweetheart could you repeat the question please all right so this was a question we got last week but it seemed like it required some homework uh and to have actually watched a bunch of movies about baseball which i haven't done in a long time so from brian at big underscore b underscore sr who are you who are your starting nine fictional baseball player characters um tv movies video games um yeah, he didn't include books which i have a thought about um and no cheating and just taking the mr burns team from homer at the bat I think I think pretty much taking any representation of a real player is is off limits here. So, do you have a starting nine? I do. So my my catcher is not who yours was going to be. I think you wanted to go with uh, a certain minor league catcher. Yes, all time home run leader though. <laughs> yeah, I'm going with Jack Parkman from Major League Two. 
he was the guy that they end up trading away because he was a cancer in the clubhouse, but he mashed. <laughs> and- <laughs> We're going to take that chance on our fictional starting nine. We've got some good character guys to run this out. It'll be fine. Uh, Clue Haywood, the first baseman from Major League One who won the Triple Crown. Easy choice. Yes. Second base, I couldn't find many of them, so I had to go with Juan Lopez, number two, from Major League Three, the minor leaguer. Wow. Yeah, That's, they don't feature second baseman on movies very much. No, it doesn't seem like a glamorous sort of position that way. No. Uh, I went with Benny the Jet from the Sandlot because he did make the majors with the Dodgers as my shortstop. Nice. Roger Dorn at third. Got to have Dorn. Even though he's going to have trouble getting down on those those balls, you don't want, you can deal with that infield defense? No, by the end of the by the end of the first movie, he was diving and everything. I mean, his dives were awkward and he shouldn't have been, but <laughs> It's cuz he was an actor and didn't know how to play baseball. But anyway, Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so in left field, I'm going to video games here. John Dowd. Mm-hmm. Do you know who John Dowd is? Uh, I think he's was Donald Trump's lawyer and he just quit yesterday, but um no. <laughs> Not that John Dowd. Uh <laughs> In the MVP baseball games from 2004 and 2005, Barry Bonds didn't sign the MLBPA license agreement. Oh, well, so, you could have picked Reggie Stalker as well, I guess. I hope he's not your left, your right fielder. No, my right fielder is Roy Hobbs. <laughs> ah, the natural. <laughs> and if it's not, if you're not counting John Dowd, it's Serrano. And then center field's Hayes. Starting pitcher is Steve Nebraska. And my had, two relievers are Bugs about... Bunny <laughs> and Sid Finch. <laughs> Sid Finch is your reliever. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have enough of his stamina. He barely pitched because he had all those issues. So, um, Have you ever read the book, The Curious Case of Sid Finch? No, I just read the original article. So in the book, he actually does throw a perfect game, the first start out. Um, and then um, they start trying to get in his head and they relieve him right before the... Jesse Orozco, I believe, relieves him just before the uh, the end of the second consecutive perfect game in history um so he doesn't hold that record it's an interesting book but yeah, yeah I would, and, but i can only go with one starter and steve nebraska threw he pitched one game and he threw a perfect game with striking out every batter on three pitches in the world series the immaculate game truly <laughs> yeah so there's the team that's that's the fictional all-star team i, I can't really b- pick too many bones with that i think you could win a lot of games with that team yeah, and just sticking to the brand, six of my players were from the Major League <laughs> franchise. The fact that you had to go to the Back to the Miners movie to get somebody is, uh, yeah, that's a statement right there about about your brand. And he's uh, Juan Lopez number two. He's not even... <laughs> all right. Oh, ridiculous. So, uh, <laughs> read me a question, sir. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll skip this. We'll go, We'll come back to a silly one later. This is from Vladimir Guerrero or Vlukimir Guerrero Jr. at Split Letters. Am I crazy for thinking the smart thing for the Jays to do is not push harder to keep Josh Donaldson and instead go hard for one of the other big free agents at the end of this year, given the whole best third base prospect in baseball thing and all? I, I understand Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is currently playing third base and will be probably playing third base for a while. But I'm not sure that he's going to be the Josh Donaldson caliber of third baseman that you're looking for. You just look at his body type, and it does not say to me diving around and roaming uh, and charging. Uh... There was a video of that Bichette Homer off Rivero that we talked about earlier. When he gets to the plate, he you mean scored... Guerrero? No, no, Bichette. Oh, Bichette? Okay. 
when Bichette gets to the plate, Guerrero is waiting for him because he was on first base. <laughs> and Guerrero's like twice his size. <laughs> He's huge. Yeah. That, that's just what I'm thinking is that's going to be he's there are only so many scott rollins in this world and i don't think guerrero is going to be one of them I, I could definitely see him moving somewhere less uh intensive but yeah and, and just think about like if you could have guerrero and donaldson in the same lineup that's a pretty fearsome middle of the order if donaldson is still josh donaldson absolutely absolutely uh but yeah i think yeah absolutely you look at the because J, it sounds like jd's going to hit the free agent market so by that point, everybody's on kind of a level playing field. So if Josh Donaldson isn't isn't you know coming to terms with or isn't uh, isn't in your ballpark at the time when you're looking at other contracts, and if you find someone else who is amenable to coming to Toronto, then that's what you do. I don't think you owe him any loyalty that way. <laughs> so who is being removed? This is from Zach Smith at Saki Three, and we did allude to it earlier. Who is being removed from the 40-man roster to make space for the trio of Axford, Clippard, and potentially Danny Espinosa? Yeah. So it looked like there was some space being freed up earlier in the week when Tom Panone was suspended 80 games for testing positive for the same thing that Chris Colabella tested positive for. But then the Blue Jays filled that with the waiver claim of Sam Mole. <laughs> and, and then they designated Matt Dermody for assignment and traded for Sam Gavilio. So they just like to fill these holes with guys named Sam, apparently. But <laughs> I think both those guys are the candidates to go. So this is this is still the uh, the management is one step to the left of what you <laughs> what you were expecting them to do. Yeah, I think it's those two guys. And then I still think it's Dwight Smith Jr. is the third one. They just have so many outfielders. Yeah, well, I mean, we just went on a big, long thing about outfield depth. So it seems fair. What yeah. do we got next? So this one comes from you and Ross at Ben Talk. Who should Jays fans make a cheering section for? You know, like uh, Judges Chambers and the King's Court in Seattle. Right. And what should it be called? Uh, so I've, I've got two. Uh, one is the Donaldson Danger Zone, which would be... Uh, now, a lot of sections are sort of tied to a certain thing. I think maybe you would make it like the front or or maybe the third row of every outfield seat <laughs> on every, because that's potentially where you could get hit by a Donaldson home run. Cause he kind of hits to all fields. So that would be a fun one. Uh, and then you could also have just uh, a single seat somewhere and you call it the fortress of solitude. Uh, and Kevin Pillar comes to visit you in that seat. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'll throw one more. Okay. The smoking section. Ah, there you go. No smoking allowed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the sign that says there is no smoking <laughs> in the smoking section. So yeah. how many people would take pictures of that? It would become a, a, a constant tweet. It would be perfect. Good for the brand. Absolutely. All right. Okay. You, you, you had me beat there with uh, hands down. Are we down to our last question? We are. Zahir at Zeroid. Which prospect besides Vlad, Blow, and Bo and Alfred do you think will have the most career wins above replacement? Um, do I have to keep in mind that you hate pitcher wins above replacement? <laughs> you kind of do because the answer would have been a pitcher. <laughs> oh, I really do, but it still has to be Nate Pearson. 
Wow. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that at all. Well, no, it's like, well, it depends which war. Like, Fangrass will love him because he's going to have all the strikeouts, right? Right. <laughs> but I actually think, I just think he's going to be really, really good. And if a guy's going to be really, really good, that's your bet for the most, for the highest war among prospects, which I don't like talking about in that sense, but, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, as a guy who you're looking at having a long-term impact, I guess, is really the question. Nate mm-hmm. Pearson seems to be the uh, the breakout, as it were, mm-hmm. when you put aside those three other guys. Now, if we're talking about Warp, which is the baseball prospectus version, I'd have to go Danny Jansen because it loves catchers. Yes, and Danny Jansen loves throwing people out, and I'm sure that's factored into catcher Warp. It is. <laughs> Heavily defense. <laughs> so there you go. Um yeah, he didn't put an F or a B in front of it or a P at the end of it. So, you know, you can you can pick and choose your system, which uh, which are all weighted <laughs> slightly differently. Yeah. That is all of your questions for this week. And we won't, as we mentioned, have your questions next week because the plan is to do what we do every year right before the season starts, to do the 25-man roster in 50 minutes. So stay tuned for that next week. Before we get ahead of ourselves too far, we're going to have to... We actually have to do this, don't we? We have to talk about the Red Sox in a season preview. I know, it's the worst. Was this Yankees and Red Sox in the same show? This was your idea, right? (laughs) (laughs) It it was nature's idea. Yeah, okay. (laughs) So we're going to go talk to Matt Corey, and uh, he's going to tell us all about the Red Sox. How thrilling. We'll be right back with him after this. And we are pleased to once again be joined by a good friend of the program, Matthew Corey, a man who knows what color he wants his socks to be. Uh, welcome back to Artificial Turf Forest, Matt. Thanks for having me again, guys. Are you wearing red socks? Uh, no, actually, I have blue socks with the dogs that are wearing sunglasses on them. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> <laughs> Very yeah. important information. I'm glad we got that out there. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, time zone shift, uh, irrespective of all that, uh, you are a Red Sox authority that we keep calling in around here and, and a good friend of the show. So it has been, uh, of late a whirlwind of an off season. So we thought we would start with the on again, off again courtship of JD Martinez. Uh, what, what was happening there? It seems like he didn't have much of a market. Which is a bizarre thing to say for a guy who, uh, you know, is as good a hitter as he is. Um, but, you know, he, he sort of comes with, as I think, you know, has been discussed, uh, uh, there's a lot of free agents, uh, you know, this past offseason who had, you know, various deficiencies. Uh, and, and that uh, may have contributed to the, the you know, the slow slash odd um, off season we had and, and, you know, Martinez sort of fits into that mold. He's an incredible hitter, but, uh, you know, defensively he's, he's absolutely a liability. Um, he, even though he's only 30 years old, he's, uh, you know, really not good at anything else other than hitting his base running is bad. His fielding is bad. Um, now he claims that's the, the fielding, the bad fielding is due to various injuries that he's had over the last couple of years. Um, I mean, okay, but, you know, still bad. And also, you know, if you're getting hurt at 28 and 29, you're 
maybe getting hurt at 30 also like that's not really much of a you know pay me more because kind of thing um so i i think it was mostly you know there was there was not a lot of teams who wanted to give him you know 150 million dollars because he really brings one albeit great skill to the table um and and the red sox really needed that skill um based on you know last season uh when they were not able to hit very well <laughs> um and, and specifically uh power numbers last year were, were were way down so um so i think i think that's you know that's the big reason there there wasn't really a you know a, a, a team that was really competing with boston for his services and that's i mean like you said that's just kind of silly but that's just basically what this market was and you know a lot of guys signed and for way cheaper than we thought they would, although Alex Cobb still somehow got four years, sixty million. But is is that what the Orioles gave him? Four years, fifty-seven million. Yeah. My gosh, the Orioles are weird. <laughs> eh, well, yeah, that just makes the AL East fun in all kinds of other ways. I'd like to say weird is probably the most complimentary adjective that our Orioles guest would have used <laughs> two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, he was not thrilled. No, he wasn't. <laughs> I heard that interview and giggled through the whole thing. <laughs> so did we. Uh, <laughs> with all this courting of J.D. Martinez, the on and off again, as we talked about, was the decision to re-sign Mitch Moreland when they did a little bit odd? Yeah, I think it was. And I think that uh, sort of indicates, you know, how the offseason took a turn that the Red Sox really, you know, their front office wasn't anticipating. Um you know, ba- based on the way things ended up, there's no way that, you know, Mitch Moreland deserves a, a contract. Uh, what did he get? Two years and $14 million? Um, something like that. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, he he probably didn't deserve half of that based, you know, again, on, on you know, better players on the market who, you know, received less, uh, less money um, and less term than he did. Um but you know the Red Sox value his defense, um, and they—I uh, guess they—you know—they value what he brings in the locker room, and they uh, just decided to to take the plunge straight away. I mean, you know, this offseason is sort of a departure for Dave Dombrowski. If you look at the way he typically does things, he's usually the guy, uh, you know, at the front of the line uh, with the suitcase full of dollars, waving it in the air. Um, it's hard to wave suitcases full of dollars in the air, but he does it. Mm-hmm. And so that's very uh, strong shoulders <laughs> forearm strength. Um, but anyway, he, he didn't, uh, didn't really do that this year. Uh, you know, with the exception of, of Moreland, uh, you know, to the extent that you can call a $14 million contract, uh, you know, in, in 2018, a, uh, you know, an overpay. I mean, it, it really doesn't hurt the Red Sox too much, you know, other than maybe you'd like to have a better hitter there. Um, and there's, you know, certainly were some available, but if Hanley Ramirez comes back, uh, you know, like I think the team expects him to do, um, that probably doesn't matter that much. So let's just shift over one position on the diamond. Uh, last year we were talking about big Poppy not coming back and, and there was a big, you know, question mark there. Uh, Dustin Pedroia is hurt. And yeah. is not going to be, I, I believe, the opening day second baseman for the first time in, I don't know, forever. Um, 
2007, 2008, one of those two. Yeah. So, you know, Pedroia is a player we love to hate. Is is he on track to come back early season, late season? Do we know? Uh, kind of mid-season is, is what I hear. Um, you know, mid to late May, uh, somewhere around there is, is where he's scheduled to be able to, to get back into the lineup. But, you know, there's a lot of time between March 20th and, you know, May 20th or whatever. So, uh, you know, and he's 34 or 35 years old. So it's, it's not, uh, it's, it's certainly not a sure thing, um, you know, that he, uh, you know, that he makes it back on time like that. But, you know, with the way the rest of the roster is, uh, I, I don't think that the Red Sox really need to rush him, uh, rush him back. I mean, they were able to sort of take advantage of the market uh, and and bring back Eduardo Nunez, who was really good for them at the end of last year um, when they got him from the Giants. So he's going to be the starting second baseman. And, you know, he's probably a reasonable approximation of Pedroia uh, offensively at this point, maybe, you know, a little more pop and a little less on base. And he's probably not the defensive player that Pedroia is. So I guess that's, that makes a big difference, but, um, but you know, he, he's, he's certainly a, an acceptable starting second baseman for, for a couple months, uh, two to three months, you know, while Pedroia gets, gets healthy. And I, I think this team, uh, you know, expects to be playing in October. And I, I'm, I think that's when they're hoping that Pedroia will be hitting his stride. You talked about, you know, this team expecting to play in October. They made it last year, despite the offensive issues that you talked about. And you mentioned they're expecting the bounce back for Hanley Ramirez. I assume Mookie bets there's going to be some positive regression. Do you think there's enough of that positive regression and improvement from some of their young guys that this team could be once again one of the top offenses in baseball? I do think so. Um, but it's March 20th. <laughs> so, you know, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see what actually happens in the field. But but yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, I mean, if you if you run down the lineup, you know, Mookie Betts had like a 260 uh, BABIP last year, which is kind of ridiculous when you think about how hard he hits the ball and how fast he runs. Um, and, uh, you know, Andrew Benatendi, I expect to be even better this year. You know, uh, he'll be 23. So, you know, he did pretty well in his rookie year. Um, I think he had, you know, just a sub 800 OPS somewhere around there. Um, but, you know, he's got better skills than that. He didn't hit lefties very well at all last year. I, I'm expecting him to get more of a chance to hit lefties now with Alex Cora managing the team. Um, you know, uh, Martinez will be there to to DH. That'll be an improvement. Uh, this will be Rafael Devers' first full season uh, as a starting third baseman. Um, so that's you know that's promising. I I don't know exactly what to expect out of him. I mean, he's 21 years old. But he's certainly going to be better than Pablo Sandoval, who they're still paying, by the way. Um, and uh, somebody you know, will be paying Pablo Sandoval forever. He's he's like Bobby Bonilla, you know. He's just. <laughs> I he's, was hoping someone would say that. He's going to be on the payroll, yeah, for forever. Um, but uh, uh, you know, yeah. And so I, you know, the the other guy on that uh, on that sort of list of. Uh, of players the Red Sox are hoping to get more out of offensively is, is Xander Bogarts. And Bogarts is kind of a guy who had a lot of power in the minors, showed up in the major leagues uh, with that power, and then it's sort of dissipated as as he spent more time in the major leagues. And um, I think a lot of that is, is approach. And I, I've heard interviews from him um, where he is talking about hitting the ball on the ground and 
um, he he definitely uh, took a a very passive approach at the at the plate last year. So I, he's he's kind of turned himself into this this sort of slap hitter who's um, you know perpetually behind in the count. Um, and I, I think that there, you know, you, you never know how stuff is going to play out, but it seems that everything is setting up pretty well for Bogarts to have a, a, a big year with the, with the new coaching staff who is going to, going to preach some of the, the Houston stuff, some fly ball, uh, you know, hit, hit the ball in the air, um, you know, uh, hit the ball. Uh, if it's over the plate, you know, in, in the early in the count, don't, don't wait around. Um, and try to get ahead. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm optimistic that they'll, that, that he'll be the player, you know, with, with, uh, with the biggest impact from that coaching staff, but, you know, with, with Bogarts and Benatendi and Betts and, you know, healthy Henley Ramirez and, and, uh, a full year of Devers. Um, yeah, I, I think they can, they can definitely score more runs, hit some more home runs and, and be, uh, be a more well-rounded team. It's certainly funny seeing them a team in a completely Homer happy environment not be able to hit home runs it's just kind of weird but the blue jays fans know really like like fenway park is is you know a, a home run uh Haven. you know yeah i mean certainly certainly down the lines i mean you know there's there's places you can hit the ball you know in, in fenway 420 feet and it won't go out but there's also places you can hit it 320 feet and it will so um let's yeah. be honest it's like 305 i mean those measurements down the line in left field are not real yeah, but if you hit it 305 feet down the line, you're not going to get it over the wall. But <laughs> probably. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but yes, point, your your point is well taken. I mean, it, it you don't necessarily have to be a a giant power hitter to to hit the ball out of Fenway Park, and 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 yet the Red Sox just just couldn't for the life of them do it uh, last year. I mean, you know, part of that is is luck, and part of that was just I I think this the the coaching staffs you know, an inability to communicate this, uh, you know, the, this change in approach that needed to happen. Uh, and that, I think that's a big part of the reason why John Farrell lost his job and, and Alex Cora is in. Indeed. Um, so we, we move over to the depth chart because it's my handiest resource of all time. And I, I noticed that we have uh, we have a lot of names in the rotation, but two of the, the important ones, Drew Pomerantz and uh, Rodriguez, have asterisks beside them because they are hurt. Uh, that's not how you drew it up off season. Is that going to be a yeah. problem for them getting into into the first you know month or so? Um, I mean, it's never great to not have your your best pitchers. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Sale is healthy. Uh, Price looks really good. He pitched today. Uh, he looks good. Um, you know, Porcello is Porcello. And those are probably, you know, your, your top three guys at least, um, you know, going into the season. So, so I think you know they can they can get by with you know Hector Velasquez and Brian Johnson, you know, in the first month or whatever. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez had surgery on his knee and he's he's been throwing I think. Um, so you know he's he's targeting a return that I think I think a little sooner than Pedroia would be. Um, but this is the the sort of knee that's been prob problematic for him over the last couple of years, and so this you never know. But this the surgery is supposed to put all those problems to rest. Um, so we will see how that works out. Um, and uh, who was the other guy? 
Well, it, it oh, was Pomerantz. Pomerantz, right, right, right. Um, yeah, Pomerantz had like a forearm strain, and uh, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think he's going to throw against minor leaguers like next week or something. Um, they seem to be moving rather slowly with him, so I, I don't know exactly the you know the ETA for for Pomerantz, but. Um, he was certainly uh, an important cog the, on that team last year. So I, yeah, it's not it's not great. I mean, when you when you get, I mean, it's a really top heavy um, rotation, you know, with Sale and and Price, um, and the guys after that, I think, are you know average to slightly above average. But once you get into you know Hector Velasquez and and down and Brian Johnson probably too. You know, your your best case scenario is is really league average, and after that, it it gets kind of rough. Um, so they're going to need their their best guys to stay healthy this year. Um, you know, there's there's a couple places where I think this team can fall apart, um, and you know, starting rotation depth is is definitely one of them. And, and you know, we talked about the starting rotation depth, like you said, but it's just the whole pitching staff seems to have a lot of potential injury question marks. I mean, we mentioned, we talked about the guys we just, we just listed there. Price, he's not out of the woods. I, I mean, it's hard to say that because he, you know, he never had any surgery and they said last year he would have had Tommy John surgery if he was younger. So there's got to be some risk there, but also in the bullpen too, you've got Thornburg who I don't think is throwing yet. Off he of, did off, throw off a of mound. Yeah. He threw once off a mound, but I don't believe he, uh, I, I think that was like a week and a half ago. And, and, I haven't heard any reports about him doing it again or, or how, or, or anything beyond that. So, um, but I, I don't think Thornburg is really a guy that the team is, is really counting on. Uh, I think they're counting on Carson Smith to step into that eighth inning role. I actually wrote about that for today at BP Boston. Um, I think, I think Smith is the guy that they're, they're looking at, um, you know, taking on that, that setup man job and, um, pushing back, um, you know Kelly and uh, and Matt Barnes into you know seventh inning and and more matchup related kind of uh, roles. And he was the other guy I was going to mention though. Obviously, he's had his own injury problems the last couple of years. Is he fully healthy now, or is it or there's still some worry about him? Uh, Smith. Yeah. Yeah. He he's coming back from from Tommy John. He came back at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and took him a long time to get back though, if I recall. I don't think it was uh, any anything beyond a normal you know, eight to 10 month kind of, uh, uh, you know, issue. Um, I, I don't, I don't recall taking him to, you know, any longer than, than normally for, for Tommy John. Um, but yeah, no, he looks good in spring training. He's got a bunch of strikeouts. He's got a little bit of, you know, a, a couple walks. I mean, you know, you're extrapolating from whatever it is, six and a half innings that he's thrown in spring training. Um, and I haven't got to watch him pitch. So, uh, but I know, you know, one of the issues that, that pitchers often experience, you know, post Tommy John surgery is, you know, loss of command, uh, at least a little bit, um, while you get used to that new ligament. So that could certainly be a problem. But, uh, I was looking at some guys who had had Tommy John, some relievers, uh, last night, just as in pre- preparation for my article, and um, I, it, it seems like a lot of the relievers they they come back from Tommy John, they go right back to about the same, you know, uh, uh, innings level that they were at before. So, you know, I, I I'm optimistic that that Smith will be able to step into that role. I I don't know if he'll be as good as he was, you know, in that one year in Seattle, um, but that's a high bar. So 
you know, if, if he's if he's better than uh, than Kelly and Barnes, uh, that's that's probably good enough. So I, I think we've sort of gone over the, the three areas. We, we've got a lineup that's probably going to regress in a positive direction, you think. We have uh, a couple of question marks in the rotation. We have a bullpen that looks pretty good. This is a team that won the division last year. Of course, they didn't do it when the Yankees had Giancarlo Stanton. Um, right. So how do you feel about their overall? I'm, I'm Basically, we're going to get down to the what's your prediction here for, for place in the division and actual record. Um you know, knowing that this team is is different, but not necessarily you know radically different than what was there last year. Uh, well, there's there's a couple things about what you said. Well, one, one in specific, um, you you said the you know positive regression, and I think that you know that is is true to a certain extent. But I also think you've got a really young lineup. I mean, this this team is you know younger than I think people think they are. Um, you know, Betts is 25, Benintendi's 23, Bogarts is 25, Devers is 21, Vasquez and Bradley are 27. Um, that's a that's a really young lineup. I, I think there's you know there's uh, just in general improvement that you know you, you can have um, you know leading up to your your peak season. So it, it's not that they just hit into bad luck last year, although you know they they did or they had some sort of unlucky injuries or or, or whatever. Although they did. But, you know, I, I think you'd sort of expect guys with talent to improve up, you know, into 27, 28. And, you know, the Red Sox have have those guys who should should be making those improvements. Um, and now that I've said all that, I've totally forgot your question. <laughs> Where are they going to finish and how uh, many wins are they going to do it with? Um, that's a really good question. And I, I think it I think it depends a lot on, you know, um, on well a couple different things like you know injuries like you were talking about um and then you know uh, the yankees last year were such a good hitting team i don't know that they're really as good as they showed a lot of the um a lot of the guys that they had you know gardner and gregorius and um headley and headley's gone but um you know had had seasons that that were maybe you know a, a little over their heads of course, they have compensated for that problem by bringing in the National League MVP. So that is a bit of a problem if you're the Red Sox. Um, <laughs> Nothing, everybody else. <laughs> yeah, right. Hardly um, noticeable. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know if they're gonna if they're better than the Yankees. I really, I really don't know. I, I think when they got JD Martinez, they kind of brought themselves up to that level. Um, I think their offense is going to be greatly improved. Um, I think David Price is going to be healthy for most of the year. That's going to be a big help. Um, you know, I, I don't know if Chris Sale is going to be quite as good as he was last year. I don't know if Drew Pomerantz is going to be quite as good as he was last year. So I, I, I think that, you know, the two kind of scary issues, and I know I'm not answering your question. I'm sorry. The kind of scary issues, are, you know, we sort of touched on one is the, the back end of the rotation and, you know, the depth involved, should they lose somebody because, you know, it's, pitching and they're probably not going to get a thousand innings out of their top five starters. Um, and the other is sort of the back end of the bullpen. Um, you know, Kimbrell is, is excellent. And then after that, I think you've got some question marks. Um, maybe you can make that case for every team. Although the Yankees, maybe you can't make that case because they have so many good relievers on that team. So, um, but I guess the, I guess I'll pick, uh, I'll, I'll be an optimist and I'll say, 
they win 95 games and they finish in first place. Wow, you circled around that so many times. I did not think you were going to be able to stick the landing. <laughs> High winds. <He's> experience. <laughs> like Fenway on a, on a cold September night. <laughs> oh my goodness. So uh, we actually are going to, uh, going to be filling our episode with two interviews this week. So we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you for your prediction and for your insight into what's going on in Boston. Of course, uh, we can find you on Twitter at uh, MaddieMaddie2000. That's correct. And of course, your wisdom uh, and analysis at BaseballPerspectus.com. That's correct also. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, And you as well, sir. Have a good night. You too. Okay, that, I I guess, in the sense of uh, season previews, that ends everything we need to know. And our collective nightmare? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The first half of it was, I could live with that. The second half of it, I'm I'm getting a little twitchy. Uh, (laughs) Just my eyebrow, you know. You can tell I'm nervous when my eyebrow twitches. Okay, enough about that. Uh, Let's go to something really awful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's really awful. Go ahead, Greg. So Major League Baseball, uh, in a desperate effort to, I wouldn't even say save money, in a desperate effort to screw over the working man in their minor league system, has actually managed to get Congress to pass a bill, and correct me if I'm wrong, exempting them from needing to pay minor league players something resembling minimum wage. Now that's pretty accurate. Essentially... The minimum wage has to only be carried in terms of the games. So like none of the other work they have to do in the gym or, or batting practice or anything before games counts towards their hourly wage. As long as they make enough uh, uh, to earn minimum wage for their two and a half hour games, then they are considered legally paid according to this new bill. And there's a pitch the bill. So it's not like you're stretching out the games even to make yourself a little extra cash. Uh, but that's just, it's just sad and awful. Like, and, and it's especially awful when you read some of these stories. Uh, uh, Maury, I forget his last name. Uh, Bisball Maury. Yeah, Bisball Maury. I forget it. I'm sorry. I forget it. I forget his full name, but he wrote a piece for Forbes. The Major League Baseball has spent $1.3 million in each of the last two years lobbying Congress for this bill. That's just awful. They spent $2.6 million so they didn't have to pay the kids. And the MLBPA does nothing, despite the fact that those are their future members. Um, And, well, we talked about this with Emily Walden, right? Um, About why this (laughs) is unfair. You can go back and listen to that interview again, because the points are obviously very relevant. I think the, 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 the lack of humanity here is just gross but it also to me does not make sense from a bigger picture perspective if i were trying to get the most out of even if you very crassly review view them as assets it's been pointed out by a couple people to treat them so badly to not get them proper food to not get them you know to make them work a second job in order to support themselves so they're not focused on their the sport it doesn't make any sense it's a super short-sighted 
perspective that does nothing other than just point out that you can keep people down if they want something really bad. Yeah. It's insane. I, mean, I, I talked about the body size thing with Bichette and Guerrero. Guerrero is a big boy. And one of the things that people talked about coming up was that conditioning was going to be key for him. Well, conditioning is really darn hard if you're someone who doesn't have a two point or $3.9 million signing bonus and you're on the bigger side when all you can afford is a happy meal. Yeah. And that's where these might don't make any mistake. Yes, a guy might have had a 50000 or $100,000 or $150,000 bonus. That doesn't mean that he came from a rich family that they didn't need some of that money to pay their bills before he mm. went into the life of a minor leaguer. Like, ugh. It, painting the it's players as, as greedy is just so, so much of a, tra- a trap and, a, and, and, and just not true. Okay. We got the awful part over. We don't, we, we're not, I'm not playing any cool sound effects for that because it's not cool. <laughs> yeah, that's not a do-over. That's just, like you said, it's something truly horrible. All right, so we're going to try and end on a lighter note, as we usually do, which means I'm going to give you an opportunity to have a final thought. Okay. Well, my final thought is the Blue Jays are going to be playing real games next week, and I'm not talking about those silly things that they do in Montreal (laughs) on Monday and Tuesday. The Major League Baseball season starts a week from today because we're recording this on a Thursday, and first pitch will have happened in less than a week. And that's very exciting with Jay Happ taking the mound, which I guess we should have talked about too. He was officially named the opening day starter. It was not Mark uh, Aaron Sanchez. <laughs> not that Aaron power Sanchez move. Gets, yeah, Aaron Sanchez gets game two. Which is super cool. Uh, yes, it is. My thought is that uh, with you know people clamoring for Bo Bichette and watching him do all this stuff, how is there not a hashtag Bish please? trending by now how did that not already be a thing <laughs> people are missing well, you can here. make it happen why well, I, I tried i tried earlier but you know i don't have i'm not an influencer apparently i just talked to richard lisa and he'll get it get a there you go you. <laughs> you, you gotta know your influencers that's the thing uh, that that is it that is our our extended version double interview preview podcast so that is to say that uh, you are Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem and I am Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. And our guests were Matthew Corey at MattyMatty2000 and Stacey Gatsoulias at Stace Gots. And this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 93. And we will talk to you in about a week. <laughs>